One of the great moments of relief in my life was the end of my one and only viola recital. In fifth grade, I took up the viola. I really wanted to play the bass or the cello, but my mom said there was no way we were going to lug that thing back and forth to school every day. So she convinced me that the, the viola was a little bit bigger than the violin. It was almost like a cello, which is not true at all. But I took up the viola. So I had no natural talent, very little discipline, and really no encouragement at home. My parents didn't want to hear me screeching out notes on the viola. So when I got to the, the recital at the end of the year, I was not very good at the viola. But I was very pleased to find out that I was sitting next to another kid who also was not very good at the viola. And his mom had written in the numbers of the fingering next to all the notes. Neither of us could really read the notes. So I said, this is amazing. This is my shot. And I played that night with all my heart to my conductor's great dismay. So when it was over, I sighed a sigh of relief. That was it. I could retire on top. Now, imagine that after this cacophonous performance, the director had come to me and said, listen, next week we have a really important recital, and I want you to perform Beethoven's Krauser. You would tell him, well, you're, you're nuts. This kid couldn't play a jingle. There's no way he can play a masterpiece. Isn't that what Jesus is asking his disciples today? I mean, for many generations, humans prove themselves incapable of abiding by the basic laws of justice. A decent man was hard to find. When God gave his people the law, it was a law accommodated to their weakness, and still they couldn't keep it. And then after generations of failure, he calls them to something much higher. Before they ever learn to walk, he calls them to run and to fly. What is he seeing that we're not seeing? How can he say to us, who sometimes fail to love our own friends well, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you? And how can he ask us to give to everyone who asks? when very often we fail to give what's due in strict justice. What does he see that we don't see? What does he know that we don't know? He knows himself. He knows who he is. And he knows that he's going to put his life in us. Every one of these commandments contains a promise on the lips of Jesus. You know, the Ten Commandments, which were given a long time before Christ came, just as they were, they had no life in them. When Moses threw the tablets on the ground and broke the tablets of the law, there was nothing but stone within. But do you remember the woman who comes to Jesus before he's crucified, and she breaks open the alabaster jar and anoints his head and his feet and the smell of perfume fills the room. That's how the commandments of Christ are. They're full of life. They're full of aroma. They're like that alabaster jar. 
Every commandment bears a promise. So when he says, love your enemies, in the very same breath, he's promising you, and I will pour my love into your heart. I will make you capable of loving your enemies. Christ can give us a higher law because he gives us a higher life to fulfill it. That's what we heard in the second reading from St. Paul. He says, Brothers and sisters, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, here he's referring to Christ, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly one, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly one. At birth, we receive Adam's nature, his fallen nature, and his tendency towards sin and selfishness. But by our rebirth in baptism, we receive the heavenly nature of Christ. It's offered to us. You are now children of your Father in heaven. We see hints of this in the midst of Christ's commands. He says in today's gospel, but rather love your enemies and do good to them and lend expecting nothing back then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. You're now children of the Father who is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. There's a power in you a divine power that wasn't there before, and it's the power to love. So how is that power communicated to us? It comes through the Eucharist. St. Paul says in Corinthians, we are always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. What a powerful description of what it means to receive Holy Communion. To receive in our body the dying of Jesus. It was in his death on the cross that he showed us the full measure of love. He showed us what it means to love our enemies and to give and not to count the cost. When he stretched out his arms and they nailed him to the cross and he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There he taught us how to love our enemies. And when he expired and he gave up his spirit, he showed us what it is to give and not to count the cost. He gave his life. That's what we receive in the Eucharist. His love poured out on the cross. And that's why he can tell us to love our enemies and bless those who curse us and give to everyone who asks because he pours his love into our hearts. So no longer do we have to go about life like mirrors, reflecting back to others what we receive from them. If generosity, then generosity. If selfishness, then selfishness. If anger, then anger. If friendship, then friendship. We're not like mirrors anymore. We're like lamps, and the light of Christ is shining in our hearts. And so we can go to dark places, we can go to places without love and bring love there, and there will be love. 
One of the most compelling examples of this love that I've heard of is the Sudanese-Italian Saint Bakita. Bakita was born in Sudan and when she was still a little girl, a neighboring tribe, raiders from a neighboring tribe came and captured her and enslaved her. And she spent many years of her childhood in a, a brittle, a very bitter slavery. Well, as a young woman, an Italian adventurer came, encountered her, and purchased her, and brought her back as an indentured servant to Italy. And she was very poorly treated there. The other servants in the house hated her. They didn't understand her, and they were jealous of her. And even there in the village, people despised her. Even the children would make faces at her and throw stones at her. And she only ever responded with love. There was one servant who was especially cruel to her, Carolina. And she would tell lies about her to get her whipped or expelled from the house. But Paquita always responded with love. At one point, Carolina's fiancé was in danger of being thrown into debtor's jail. And Paquita received a gift of these two precious earrings. And she gave them away to pay the debt of this man, the fiancé of this woman who hated her. Well, still Carolina was continued to be cruel to her. She told a lie that, that caused Bakita to be beaten, and then Bakita ran away, and she, she found refuge in the parish church, in the village church. And there the priest received her. It was the first time that she had entered the chapel. And she was struck by the image that she saw on the back wall. It was a crucifix. And so she asked the priest, who is that? And the priest told her, that's God. And she asked him, then is God a slave? He said, why? She said, in my country, only slaves were killed in that way, crucified. And he said, yes, he was a slave. He became a slave out of love for you and I. And from that moment, Bakira became a devoted follower of Christ. Soon after that, a, a plague broke out in this village. The wealthy escaped as quickly as they could, and people were living in misery. Bakira went out from ho home to home, caring for the sick and bringing many of them back to the church. She filled the church with these people who some of them were dying, and some of them she nursed to recovery, including the priest. Well, in time, she won the hearts of the whole village. They couldn't resist the power of her love. Uh, sometime later, she decided to become a religious sister. And so they came to pick her up in a, in a horse and buggy. And the whole village came out to see her off. All the poor, they gathered a basket of apples to give to her as a gift. And so there she was riding away, the children chasing the cart, lining the streets. And she began tossing the apples to the children one by one until she had nothing left. That was who she was. That was how she loved. She had a spring of love in her that could not be exhausted. And it was the love of Christ dwelling in her. And that spring is in you. 
You can love like Paquita. You can love like Christ. And today I want to encourage you to increase your faith in what you receive when you receive the Blessed Sacrament. You receive all the love of God poured into your hearts. And then try it. Make a test of it. See if you can exhaust that well of love. Try it this week, and I guarantee you won't. Try loving in this way. Try doing something generous or sacrificial and not telling anyone, ever. Or try praying for someone who's wronged you. Not praying that God would change them, but praying that God would bless them. If you have a roommate who hasn't done their fair share of the chores, do even more. Not as an act of passive aggression, but as an act of love, of charity for them. Love your enemies and do good to them. And lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful.